Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Welcome back to the ninth episode of the Short Track Talk. Today, I feel really lucky to have a very experienced writer with me. She's been writing for a while now. She's been in two different Olympic Games, and we could describe her career to a bit of an uphill climb. That she's still climbing, no matter how much time passes, and I believe she still hasn't reached the top yet. She's been performing really well. She was number one in the UCI ranking in 2019. She was number three in the UCI ranking this year. She was very close to winning the General World Cup overall. She won in Andorra the World Cup from the cross-country Olympic race. In general, we could just say she's had a great season overall. So she's been racing for six years for the Ghost Factory racing team. And today I feel extremely lucky to have here with me Anne Terpstra. Good morning, Anne. How are you doing today? Good morning. I'm doing very good. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Uh, how's the off season feeling? How's that finally? Have you finished yet? By the way, or not yet? Uh, I have kind of finished. Like all important races are are done, obviously. Um, but I did some small races, and I have one race left that I will do. Uh, but it's a bit different than just a race. I will be heading to Japan in about two weeks. Um, to finish my season there on the Olympic track we raced on last year. Um, but I will add some days to have a little bit of holiday there as well. So it's a kind of a, a real off-season race, kind of. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really interesting and really good. Do you want to bring back those good memories from the Olympic Games race? Yeah, it's a, a really nice venue there, actually. Um, I've been there first for the test event and then for Olympics. So I've already been there twice before. And uh, I actually really loved it that much that I... Back then already said, I want to go back to the country and see a little bit more. So uh, therefore, this opportunity is really nice. And I thought I, I just have to do this because otherwise I'm not sure if I will ever go back to Japan again. And uh, not only the race, it's just so different. The country is to me special. It's not what we're used to here in Europe. So it's super interesting to yeah just get to know the country a little bit and see how everything is there. It's another culture, another landscape from what we're used to. It's it's a contrast for us, so I'm sure it's really interesting. So that's really great. And you've also been racing uh, some something different to cross country Olympic. You've been racing enduro, and you've been racing on the e-bike. So how's that been so far? <laughs> Well, to be honest, I think I did not really know what I got myself into. Um, I have been racing EWS in Finale Ligura twice before, so I knew a little bit how that was and I knew the tracks a little bit. Um, but I definitely had no clue how racing an e-bike was. And uh, I have to admit, the first day of practice, the first loop we started to check, uh, I had absolutely no clue how I should be riding my bike up and down uh, those courses. Like, it was so hard. But it was a great challenge and uh, the improvement we made over two days, like one training day and one race day, it was actually huge. And of course, in cross country, I've been doing it for such a long time. I know how everything works and your improvements are not that big. So to just take a different bike, don't really know what you will start, but then be able to see that progress that quick. That was actually really nice. I imagine it's also a change of a discipline and also a bit of a deconnection from everything you've been doing the whole season and some something different just for fun so that's really good to hear and overall i know it's been a different season uh i don't know if we can call it a difficult season for you because as you started off really well you were really constant but then just at the end uh things went a little, little bit unlucky for you so first of all have you fully recovered from the infection now 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I I got ill uh, right before the final World Cup when I was wearing the leader's jersey. So it uh, it was a very tough end of uh, obviously successful season. Um, and especially while wearing that jersey, I felt like I had to at least try to see what would happen in the race. Uh, usually when you're ill, of course, you will not start a race. Um, but I kind of had to. And uh, I actually found out why you never race when you're ill because uh, one it's very very hard and two it takes really long to recover so i am completely healthy again uh, i took my time for it but uh, it took me like a bit more days than normal i would say so uh, it, it was hard for my body to race in those conditions i can imagine but like you said it it says a lot about you and the courage and the strength that you have that you were actually at the start start line in those conditions so yeah that's good to hear and i'm i'm happy to hear that you recovered and i was just uh kind of curious how did the race in general feel for you because like you mentioned you were ill so can you give us a little bit of context to to kind of let us know how does it feel racing when you when your body's not not all in Well, I I had to race twice, actually. First Friday evening, we had the short track race. uh, And that day I felt really, really ill. I was in the morning uh, in the hospital. I had like a a stomach infection, but I was also so unlucky that it got to like a parotid gland. So my face was swollen and we didn't really know uh, what that was. So therefore I had to go to the hospital. But luckily I got antibiotics. Um, and I could start with it like Friday afternoon. But yeah, of course, if you race then, uh, I thought short track, it's not so long. Maybe I can somehow survive. But honestly, I would not have been able to follow the very last rider. Like I knew my shape was very good. So it has nothing to do with fitness. When your body is unhealthy, you just can't deliver the the power that you normally have. And um, already after like five or 10 minutes, I think it was clear that it didn't really make sense. So we decided to not continue that race and to hope that I somehow would recover until someday. And of course I had still hope and I kind of had to, but we also knew like me and the whole team that the chances of, uh, making it, yeah, first to the start row were not that big. And then the, the chances of a successful ending were also not that big, but, uh, yeah, I, I did not want to regret what I did and I did not want to look back and wondering like, what if I would have raced? So therefore I went to the start line with a very different feeling than normal, because usually you stand on a start line and you kind of know what you did. You know, your shape is good. You probably like the course. So you you have a positive feeling, but it was not nice knowing that I was not feeling healthy, probably would have a really tough race, like coming at me. So it's, it's not easy to be standing there with all the other girls and then try to perform at your best. But at the same time, it was the only thing I could do. And actually I started off better than we would expect. Um, what made it even harder because I therefore had to continue for sure. Um, I had people from my team around the course at all moments. So they would always help me making a decision about what was the smartest and the best to do for me. Um, but both my yeah, direct opponents, basically, Alessandra and McConnell. Um, they were also not having their very best day. And therefore, I had to continue. But my body was already empty after one and a half lap, I would say. And I absolutely have no clue how I could make it to finish the other laps. Um, and I was very happy that I got pulled out by 80% because I'm not sure how I would have to finish the final lap of the race. But 
I'm very happy I tried and it's okay for me that I could not defend that leader's jersey and others were just uh, more healthy and for sure way better than me on the, the final day. I'd say it's mostly about the importance of just uh, giving it a try, like you mentioned, and not having that what if in the mind, just putting in the effort, the sacrifice. And sometimes when it just doesn't work, it doesn't work. There's sadly, there's not, nothing you can do about it, really. So once again, that showed uh, really the strength of you as a writer and also the amazing support you had for you, your team. As you mentioned, you had uh, people from your team all around the, the track to try to help you and keep you motivated to make a decision. So that's really good. And now leaving the season a little bit aside, uh, we're going to take a little bit of a jump back. And I want to ask you, how do you first start racing or start on a bike actually better? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm coming from the Netherlands. So we, we live in a country where everybody uses uh, his or her bike, like to go to school already, to do groceries, uh, Wherever you live, usually it's uh, it's quite flat, so it's very easy to take a bike, and sometimes it's even quicker than taking a car. So we do grow up riding bikes from a very young age already. Um, and then my brother was actually the one that got me into mountain bike riding because he just out of the blue uh, found out he really wanted to do that, even though no one in our family was familiar with riding mountain bikes and uh, <laughs> the Netherlands do not really have a lot of mountains. So it was uh, not a logical thing for him to want, but he, uh, yeah, he really wanted it. And at some point my parents kind of had to give in and I saw him riding their bike and having so much fun that at some point I just wanted to try the same thing. So actually he started first and then he got me into riding as well. Well, that's, that's actually really interesting. And like you mentioned in the Netherlands, uh, mountain bike is something different to what it can be somewhere around Europe. Because it's it's a pretty flat country, so and it is indeed one of the probably one of the most one of the countries in Europe that use the most bikes in general. Because everybody just uses to commute to work and just uh, to meet with friends and whatever. It's just riding a bike instead of instead of driving a car. So that's really interesting. And once you got into the bike, how do you start to properly race competitively? And I know in two thousand and nine, uh, you went to your first World Cup in Madrid as kind of close to home if you if you think about where where you've been in the whole world racing and you won it as a junior first world cup you race and you win a world cup how was that for you in general other uh, feelings how do you manage it and how do you how did, how did everything come forward after that actually it, it was never really my plan to to race international like my my parents supported both my brother and me with racing uh, i think it really helped that we were both racing so for them it was uh, yeah easier to just bring us to one place and let us do the race and support us however they could but not putting pressure on us i think that was very important so we needed their support to be able to to do races and also maybe some smaller races abroad at some point um but they they only gave us support and it was kind of our family uh, family thing to do basically um but it went like step by step first we did a small race then we did a small race in Belgium then we did a small race in Germany and yeah somehow I I made a huge step as I was a second year junior as a first year junior I didn't race that much international yet but a second year junior the national team kind of picked me up and supported me to let me do races like the World Cup in Madrid um, and actually ever since I, I have been racing Europeans and Worlds and Still, my, my progress was 
not every year there. I had a kind of steady progress, but it was not always steps forward. I also had to take some steps backwards, I think, as everyone else. Um, but I was not the kind of rider that was like at the top right away. I, I did win a, a World Cup as a junior, but to also be competitive in under 23 and in the end in elite, I really needed my time to learn all the things that I needed to learn to, to actually be that good. And um, therefore, as you said, like it, it has been a kind of climb and it has been sometimes a bit of a tough climb as well. But I am just happy that uh, I continue riding and that I still like to to ride mountain bikes. And that even though it was not really in my head back then when I started, uh, I just continue to, to do what I love. Uh, the way you love and while being one of the best ones in the world you're not going to say it because you're more humble but i'll say it for you <laughs> i'm probably not going to say that no. <laughs> but i do have to admit that also right now like just winning is not my biggest motivation of course i like to win and i want to be the best and i love the game of improving myself uh, but I have to admit, whenever you have the chance to be able to, uh, in a race, um, put pressure on others and be the one that decides how the race will end up, that's the coolest thing you can do. And it's not happening too often that you actually can do that in a World Cup. Uh, but the moments when you feel like you are in charge, they are amazing. So that's your main motivation right now. It's just about being able to tense tends the, the cord and tends the rhythm and just get the others leave behind and off you go for the win. <laughs> it's one of the motivations. Uh, I think my motivation changes a little bit every year. Um, and of course, you keep looking for new things. Um, I'm not really ready to, to say what my biggest motivation for next year will be. Besides uh, that, we will start the World Cup in the Netherlands. So uh, for sure, that will be a unique thing. And I'm super motivated to do good in that race. Um, but for this year, for instance, my, my main motivation was to do a stable year and to, to be consistent with my results. And that's kind of what I did. So I'm, I'm pretty happy that worked out. Um, and besides that, I wanted to improve in short track as well, because I was always a rider that was very good on Sunday, but I struggled with the racing on Friday evening, um, sometimes more, sometimes less, but it was never as easy as the Sunday would be. So we really said, okay, uh, both training wise, uh, but also like tactically, uh, I put a lot of energy in improving in this discipline too. And therefore I, I did not really expect that it would already pay off last season, but I did show that if I understand how it works and it's slowly getting there, that I can be competitive in short track too. So that was a big motivation and it makes me like the discipline even more. Of course, it's just something different to the Sunday race, I'd say. It's just the short track, it gives it more fun. And like you said, I think you've gotten hold of it and how it works because you've been in a few podiums this year and last year. So it's been it's been going pretty well for you. And I'm kind of curious because you're a rider that has been racing for a while now. So I can actually ask you, you've raced in World Cup Eliminators and you've raced in World Cup Short Track. So which one do you like better? I think both have their own charm. Like what I really loved about Eliminator is that it was so short that you had no time to think and I'm a person that thinks quite a lot. So being forced to not think and just react like only on intuition and then see afterwards if it worked out or not, 
uh, that's what I loved. And it doesn't happen that often in both cross country and maybe also in short track that you, you, you only have this minute to react. So usually you have a bit more time and therefore you can also think. Uh, so that's what I really liked about Eliminator. Um, about short track, I think when you are tactically smart, you do not have to be the fastest rider to do a good result. And I, I had some problems with that because first I thought I, I was not strong enough to do a good result, but we found out that mostly I was not smart enough for wasting my energy in the wrong moments. Uh, because then on the Sunday I would show that my, my form was actually good. So um, what I like about short track is that once you understand this and once you understand how the positioning works and when you have to be where, uh, you can improve your results by, by only doing that. So it's not because you're a faster rider or because you train different, just because you understand better what you have to be doing, you can get a completely different result. So that's pretty cool about short track to me. I'd say what you just explained is just uh, really interesting uh, to hear from a from a competitive rider like you, who's seen uh, both worlds, who's seen both sides, and who's also seen both sides of uh, having good results and having bad results in short track, like you mentioned. So thank you for sharing that. It's it's really interesting to hear, truly. And like you mentioned, it's been a very regular season for you. Like you've been really constant. Uh, you started off really well in Petropolis this year. Uh, you went uh, second in short track in Leogang, uh, third in Munich and your Europeans, six in the world's in this gets. Do you have something that you really wish would have gone better besides uh, the last race? Of course, I can imagine that's, that's something that uh, sadly it was not on your hands, but something you said, I wish I would have done better here or some, something that you had as a big goal for you, for example, the Worlds or winning the European Championship and it just didn't go as you expected. I think, well, I think it's clear that the last weekend is my biggest uh, weekend to improve, but I, I feel okay with it because I couldn't do anything about it myself. So therefore it's not that bad. Um we planned my season actually like this and it worked out how we planned this. So that was pretty special. Uh, the only thing that was different than we expected is that we did not think I would do that good in Brazil already. Okay. Um, so my shape should have been best the second half of the year. And in the end, it also was. Um, but starting off in Brazil with the second place kind of changed my own expectations going into the, the next World Cups in Alpstadt and Nova Mesto. So there I really felt that I was not uh, training wise where the others already were. I didn't do the really, really hard intervals yet. And I had to pay for that in both races because the, the quick start, I could not recover from it uh, quick enough basically so both races I, I would drop back a little bit and then after I had recovered I could go to the like not the complete front again but I could move forward to the field again but that were for sure the hardest races physically for me of the year uh, just because we were not uh, ready yet for the very very hard work um, but you have to make these choices and that's maybe the only thing also that I am not sure about this year like I said I want to be stable 
we also put the focus on the second half of the year. But if you want to be stable and race all World Cups, that automatically means that you will have a different approach to the, the big championships as riders that will leave other races out to just prepare for those races. Um, so for sure, this year learned me that it will be pretty hard to be the very best on a championship day if you do not um, sacrifice other races for that, basically. And um, it was good for me this year. Um, I am not sure what I want to focus on next year yet, but I think this is something we have to keep in mind. And it's also something that maybe the organizers have to keep in mind because the more races or woke ups there will be for us, the easier it will be for riders to also say, okay, they have to skip one because at some point it is just too much to, to do also travel wise. Um, but if I look back, I, I am okay with, with how it went. Uh, both Europeans and Worlds were not my biggest focus anymore because I was wearing that leader's jersey. Um, if I would have known back then that I would have gotten ill already, um, maybe that changed a little bit my focus for those races, but I'm not sure if it would have changed the results. So I, I don't think I regret anything. Um, I think we also always wish to be better than we are. Um, therefore, we are at leads and therefore we, we also keep working so I think it's also nice to still search for things to improve and, and work on that because if they would not be there anymore the, the fun would probably be over. Of course I totally agree with that and also like you mentioned there's no rush for next year you still have a race in Japan and some holidays which to relax and to enjoy so <laughs> that's already something and something different like you mentioned, there's a really big difference between the riders that prepare an objective specifically. Like you can tell there's some riders uh, from the World Cup that race very few World Cups, but then are really ready for the World, World Championships and European Championships. There's very clear examples of that. And then there's also riders like you yourself, like you mentioned, that instead of uh, preparing a single objective, just want to have a regular season. And once again, we go back to the uphill climb and start building that shape step by step and slowly uh, try and have the best shape uh, at some point in the season, but not in a particular race. So that's, I think both ways are, are interesting, are an interesting way of planning a season. And I also agree with that, with what you mentioned, that if the number of World Cups just keeps increasing, the only thing it's going to do is that just the important riders are going to, and the riders in general are just going to start skipping some of them to be able to uh, prepare properly uh, for uh, and different different races in general, and uh, you mentioned it before. Uh, you were excited to have a World Cup finally at home. How did that feel when you found out that? Well, uh, you probably knew before it was public. Did you not? Okay, I'll no, you, it. you don't believe it. I like therefore I didn't believe it. Um, I think our national coach knew, but he didn't tell anyone. So the moment the calendar came out. My boyfriend, I was in a call actually, and my boyfriend texted me with a sentence that said like, you will go crazy. And I thought, oh my God, what, what did he do? What, what, what went wrong? And then I, after my call, I went down and he was like, look at the calendar, look at the calendar. And I, I saw only the first race. I was not interested anymore in what the rest of the calendar looked like. Uh, it was just such a big surprise because I never raced a World Cup in the Netherlands. And I think the last one we had were someone in 92 or something. It was a while uh, ago. Yeah, very long ago. So I, 
I did not really expect to ever raise a World Cup in the Netherlands um, unless I would organize one somehow myself. And uh, I have to admit that I spoke with a journalist about two weeks before the World Cup uh, calendar was published. And he asked me the question, like, what about the World Cup in the Netherlands? And I said exactly these words. And then I actually started thinking about it, that if I at some point would stop, it would be a pretty cool thing to do to somehow make a World Cup in the Netherlands happen. Um, but of course, it was only a short thought. And yeah, then finding out that there will be one and already next year and I, I can actually race it. That was amazing. So I'm already looking forward a lot and I'm super curious what it will look like because I don't know that much yet about the venue, about the course. Um, I think we will need a bit of time to, to find all of that out, but it's for sure really cool. I was just about to ask you about the venue on the course, but I guess we'll see then. I'll just have to wait for a bit. I think so. <laughs> and now uh, changing the topic a bit, I've had uh, a few writers so far, and uh, something they mostly all agree on is that there is nothing in the world in general and in their careers like going to an Olympic Games. <laughs> So well, you've been you've been in two already. You were in Rio. Uh, you were fifteenth, and you went to Tokyo last year, fifth. How is that feeling? Can you explain to us how does it feel from your point of view going to the Olympics, uh, representing your country, which which you've done many times at this point? But I think it's just when it's an at an Olympic Games, it's just different. Yeah, when it's Olympics Games, it's it's very different. Uh, back in 2016, I first did not qualify, so I already went through the disappointment of not really making it to Olympics, uh, and it was kind of a, a special story, but I was added to the selection like very, very late, so back then the joy of being able to go there uh, was huge, and my, my goal for that Olympic Games because I was at it that late, changed completely. And I was just wanted to enjoy it like completely. And then just hoped I would do my best performance because I didn't really prepare for it the way I would have to, like would have done if I would have known I would qualify a bit earlier. Um, but actually that helped me a lot in the experience. And it took away so much nerves because for me, it was just a bonus to go there. And I honestly enjoyed everything so much. And it's as you said, like the event is so big and so different to what we we are used to. Uh, I think when we when I just arrived there, I was actually a bit overwhelmed and I had to get everything together because it was just it had too much to to kind of keep an overview for myself. Um, but I needed to to see it that way, and after that, I was ready to to go to, to Tokyo for a different kind of Olympic Games because there it was very clear to me that I wanted to do my best performance of the year on that race. Uh, I qualified early for it. I knew I was going. Uh, I prepared for it the best I could and I had a good preparation. So I, I put myself uh, under quite some pressure, um, maybe not even on purpose, but that's what happens automatically. And, and I showed myself that I could actually deal with it. Um, so it was two very different experiences. Also, when you think of the circumstances we had in Tokyo, of course, with COVID, it was a very special Olympic Games. And I was very happy that I went to Olympics before that one, because I think if 
yeah, Olympic Games in COVID times or your first Olympic Games, I'm not sure, yeah, how the experience is compared to how it could be. Uh, of course, if it's your first time on Olympics, you don't know the difference. Um, but I was happy that I already felt that Olympic atmosphere and yeah, just how big the event is and how special it is before. Because to me in, in Tokyo, just because of all the rules we had to stick to and all the stress we had of hoping for negative tests every day, um, it, it was different. So I, I really hope that next time in Paris will feel the same as in Rio again, because that was just one big party. And at the same time, uh, we could race by. So it was an amazing event to, to be part of. I was just about to ask you what you just mentioned. Is Paris a goal of yours? Yes. <laughs> um, I Like every every time my contract basically ends, I, I think about what, what to do now. Um, <laughs> as I told you from the beginning on, it was not my plan to, to race mountain bikes professionally. Uh, it was never my plan to continue this long. And I... I always said from the beginning, I do not want to feel that I have to race. So I want to race because I want to, but not because I have to. And therefore, at some moments, it's just time to think, okay, what will I be doing the next one, two, three years? Uh, am I still happy? Am I still feeling the motivation I need to feel? Um, but right now, uh, my climb is somehow still continuing to, to, con yeah, to get bigger, basically. Uh, so I would not feel feel happy with already stopping now. So uh, that means that I will race for at least two more years. And uh, I really hope to be uh, representing the Netherlands in Paris as well. Yeah. Well, that's amazing to hear. And I really hope you do achieve your goals, which if you stay on the level you're in right now, I think I think you'll be able to be there. And uh, now I was I was looking for some info before doing this interview and I found out you studied at some point and you have a bachelor's degree in medicine, which is not it's not having a normal degree by itself, which is already tough uh, or while raising, but it's having an actual degree in medicine, which is uh, one of the longest, longest degrees that takes complete completion. So how do you manage that while raising and while being such a good writer in general? Yeah, I think my, my study was the reason that I never had in my mind to be a professional athlete, because when I was younger, I, I started to race internationally, but I also started to study. So uh, for me back then, it was normal to do both. Um, and I think it was very, very good as well. But at some point, the combination, like the riding got more and more and bigger and bigger and more traveling. Uh, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, the study was also not easy, like you needed to be there a lot of times and it just needed time to, to learn everything. Um, so at some point, the combination just got too hard. And that's the reason why I finished my bachelor. But after that, I said, OK, I, I want to ride bike, bikes first. Um, I want to do one of the things good because I felt like both things I couldn't really do the way I wanted to do it. Um, and back then, that was 2013, I thought, okay, I, I think I will race for like two, three years. <laughs> and uh, the plan was to continue studying uh, after uh, Rio Olympics, basically. But uh, <laughs> obviously something went wrong in this plan, <laughs> and I am still riding my bike. Um, and I, 
actually don't really know if I will ever finish my study. Um, maybe I will. I, I still love the topic and there was a reason why I started studying it. So it's not that I uh, started it just to do something or I really wanted to be a doctor back then. Um, but at the same time, like my love for bicycles and how I feel in the, the bicycle world, like it's it's big. And I'm not sure if I will ever say a complete goodbye to uh, basically the, the world I'm in now. So I, I don't really know what will happen in the future, but uh, I am happy that that I combined it like that and that I also knew a little bit how uh, a normal life basically uh, looks like. So it was two to three years, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, ten, 10 years later, here we are talking about you for your next season. So that's, <laughs> that, that says a lot about how much you're, how involved you're in the sport in general and just how much you love it, which is great, honestly. And uh, you've been, like you mentioned, those two, three years passed, but uh, instead of quitting in Rio, you signed with Ghost, you changed the team. And you've been with them since. So what is it about the team that just has had you for so many times? Because there's riders in the World Cup that just have been changing and that just uh, finish their contract and uh, hop on to their next stage and the next team. But your case has been totally different since you signed with them. And by the way, it's looking so far. I think you're going to stay with them. So what is it that makes, makes the Ghost Factory racing team so special? Uh, well, for me, it's just the match with me personally that is there. Um, of course, all athletes in the World Cup circus, we, we are all a little bit different. So I think we all match to different kind of teams. And uh, before I signed with Ghost, there was some point where I thought maybe there is not really a team for me and maybe I should be doing something myself. Um, but it never really got to that point just because uh, I somehow always dreamed of being a part of Ghost. I didn't know much about the team. I didn't know the people, but I just had a good feeling with it somehow. I, I really can't explain, but uh, I, I just asked if they needed a writer and uh, I didn't really uh, expect back then that, that I would actually be, be writing for Ghost, but it worked out and my feeling was totally right. Like, just when you talk on like personal level, I just get along so well with everybody that's a part of the team, with the staff, with the writers, with the vibe, with the things that are important to us. Uh, we just have a similar view. And to me, that's the most important thing because we spend so much time together. Uh, we are so many times abroad. We have to spend time with each other when we're under pressure, when we all have to perform. Um, of course, it's not always only easy times and fun times. So it's, it's kind of like a family, uh, but a family that you can somehow pick. And I'm super happy that, that I found my family and the team that matches me perfect. Well, uh, that's an amazing story to hear. And it does sound like you have a really good atmosphere. And I'm going to put you in a bit of, of an uncomfortable situation because otherwise I wouldn't be doing the interview properly if I didn't ask some just awkward questions. So <laughs> It's okay. Uh, can you tell a story where you just, you know, it has to be told and it had to be told somewhere and that you can tell us here about the team, something that this stays indoors, that's something that just needs to be told. Something that needs to be told. I'm sure there's a few stories over there in the closet. They're locked behind a key uh, for someone waiting to open it. 
oh, I had to prepare for this because then I could come up with the best stories to share. Uh, but I think we have a lot of like inside jokes that will always uh, like will always come up in whenever situations. Uh, I when I started with the team, like when I was first a part of Ghost. Uh, maybe that's a funny story like my view of the of the staff like they they are all characters basically and the staff did not change basically since I joined the team as well so it's a really stable team uh, we only have one physio that joined us uh, two years ago now so so she is relatively new but from the beginning on it, it felt like she was always a part of us so actually it didn't really change and when I got into the group of uh of staff <laughs> i always compared them with a comic book because somehow i felt like you could write a book just about their characters and about if you know them a little bit and if you know what direction the conversation goes you know which character will say what at some point so <laughs> i could kind of predict what would happen and if that then happens of course it's quite fun so yeah it's uh it's really special it's all different people uh but we work very well together as a group yeah it sounds like an amazing team atmosphere so like you mentioned it really does play a very important role because it's people you're spending a lot of time with uh, with all the traveling the racing yeah. pre-race post-race so it's great that uh, inside the team there's such a good atmosphere in general and it's always just contributes to the sport and just lets the athletes be better so that's amazing and a question I was asking Alessandra the other week, and then I also asked Riley uh, last week. Do you have a rider who you have a very healthy competitive relationship with that when you know she's racing in this case, it's just pushing you harder to try and like, I get on really well with her. I'm really good friends with her, but there's always this something that I want to be in front of her. And sometimes she wins, sometimes you win, but it can be both ways. I think the first person that then would come to my mind would be my teammate, Caroline. Uh, she's a little bit like my little sister. Um, I help her with everything. She just went into her first year as elite uh, last year and she did an amazing season. Uh, and she is open for, for help, basically. So I don't tell her what to do, but I just share all my knowledge with her and let her then decide for herself what she can use and what not. Um, but I do know in that way I make her a quicker and better rider and that chances of her beating me only grow. Um, but I actually like that. Like, I really love it when she pushes me to my limits and she does very, very often. <laughs> um, I think it's just a matter of time until she will beat me uh, more often also in racing. Uh, but at the same time, it's also super special to be so happy for someone else if she does good as well. Like, I really wish her to be to be fast and I will help her to be the fastest rider she can be. Uh, and at the same time, it motivates me to also keep working myself to to keep ahead of her as long as I can. Of course. And was it this year in, I'm not sure where, but I think it was Snowshoe maybe that you were battling for the same position until the end. Was it Forum 5th or 5th and 6th? I don't really remember, but I yeah, know that was a race. Yeah, we had it in, in Leogang as well. We, we finished second and third in short track and it was for us both our first short track podium ever. So that was a super special moment. 
Uh, and then in the cross country race, we actually finished fifth and sixth and we only had like 10 seconds in between us for two laps. So yeah, we meet uh, very often while racing and that's actually really cool. Uh, the only thing that did not happen yet, and we really hope at some point it will happen that we can actually ride together because usually just one passes the other or the other way around, <laughs> but we never really made it to do something together. So maybe that will happen next year. That would be cool. Of course. Uh, so what I'm hearing is you're asking the World Cup to do some team relays. Exactly. <laughs> that would be a good idea. <laughs> uh, no, that's uh, just as until we talk. But that's, uh, like you said, really good to hear. And also Caroline has been performing really well all past season and this season too, being a constant, both of you in the top 10 in the World Cup. So it's always good to see new riders come in, but also still those riders with experience hanging on there and uh, battling with a, with a young energy. And how, I'm going to ask you this, uh, you can answer if you don't want to, it's fine. But mentally, how was the weekend in Baldisole when you found out you were sick and you had to race? I imagine it was tough. No, I'm okay with sharing, no worries. Uh, well, actually, mentally, it was, of course, it was not easy. Um, but in the past, I've been struggling way more mentally and I've been, been struggling with, with moods before uh, and actually for quite a long time and only since the beginning of this year, um, I finally found the help I needed to turn that around. So actually the whole season mentally, I've been feeling very, very good just because my mood was so stable and I was like, feeling like the normal and happy me all the time uh, that had not been there before for a very, very long time. Um, and I think just because of that, uh, it felt a little bit like a test to me in Valdisola to see like if even if things would go completely wrong and it happened, um, if I would be able to deal with it in a way that, that I was happy with and that would make me proud. And actually it was not nice, of course, and there was disappointment, but I am so proud that I decided already when we, we kind of felt like it was not going into the right direction. Uh, I could like actively decide that I did not want this final weekend to like influence my whole feeling about the season. And we as a team had a very bad woke up finish. Um, it was not only me that was ill, but also two of my teammates. So if you see that we actually had the most successful season we ever had, uh, being with two athletes constantly battling in top 10 and even for podiums, um, it was, of course, not really a way that we dreamed to finish the season uh, off. So we, we really hoped to just have a good time together to race a normal race one more time and mostly enjoy what we did. Um, we couldn't really do that. But after we had the first disappointment Friday evening where it was clear that it would not be like normal, um, we all could turn it around basically and we really made the best out of the situation. So even though the racing itself was very hard on Sunday, like I, I just rolled from the one person cheering to hold on to the next one because I felt like, okay, if someone's cheering to hold on, I, I cannot quit here. So I have to continue. And then the next one somehow shouted and all the riders that passed me, they all were so nice and they, they all said something to me. So I really felt supported and I felt like I had to do whatever I could to finish that race, but it was not easy. I felt horrible and mentally it is really, really hard, but that I could say right after the race when I was feeling really not good, 
that we did everything we could and that I was okay with this and that I could honestly feel like that. That's what I'm super happy about. And I think that only shows how much I, I grew this year mentally. So uh, yeah, it was for sure not, not the perfect way to finish off and it could have been way easier. Uh, I guess winning is always easier than losing, but I am, I'm still proud of how I dealt with it and it didn't, the disappointment didn't grow too big and, we could uh, let go of it pretty soon. Well, uh, thank you for sharing that. First of all, uh, it's really good that not everybody's willing to share this kind of stories and not every, everybody's willing to share that they struggle sometimes. So thank you. And like you mentioned, it just once again shows the your strength as an athlete in general. And uh, well, uh, now I uh, just putting an end. Thank you for the interview. I've really enjoyed it. And uh, my last question is probably one of the most difficult ones. Can you give me a song to put at the end of the podcast? A song? <laughs> oh, I would say, uh, do you know Sun is Shining? I'm not sure. Yeah, by Axwell? Yes, exactly. Okay. That's the song that, that uh, kind of uh, was modern whenever i joined ghost factory racing so for me it uh, it's a symbol for my start with the team basically okay so i will always put, in my in my warm-up list i will play that uh sun is shining by actual thanks again and it's really been a pleasure to interview you and i hope you enjoy your holidays in japan uh before and after your last race thank you so much Shout out loud, we come now and play.